Welcome to the Attracting Lasting Love podcast presented by CoachingWithRoy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithRoy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello there, and welcome to another edition of the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. My name is Roy Biancalana. I am your host, and today we are doing part two of a seven-part series that I have titled Quantum Quotes. Pithy Wisdom for Life and Love. And the whole idea of this series of podcasts is that I've tried to arrange seven very short but very powerful quotes from some of the mystics and masters that have gone before us, from those who have devoted their lives to studying the human condition and relationships and have discovered some deep and profound truths. I've tried to arrange seven of what, for me anyway, are the most powerful quotes I've ever come across. And so I'm devoting an entire podcast to each one of these. Now, it's important for you to know that each one of these and each podcast is a standalone thing. In other words, these are not sequels. They don't build on each other. So if you haven't listened to part one of this series, because this today is part two, it doesn't matter, right? If you listen to part six and nothing else, it's fine. So it's just important for you to know that you're not going to be lost if you haven't listened to any of the other podcasts. But let me just quickly, very quickly, recap where we've been. Okay? So in part one, the the quantum quote that I gave you was from an old Zen master who wrote back around 600 AD. And he wrote this Phrase, the great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. Okay? Think on that. If you haven't heard that, sit with that. That is an unbelievable statement. It's radical. The great way, the way of the highest form of living, the highest form of peace, the the deepest understanding, the most enlightened way of being, In the world, the great way, it's just not difficult if you don't have preferences. Now, I won't go into explaining what all of that means because I spent a whole podcast doing that. But there's one thing that I forgot to do in the last podcast, which is I want to give I want to give you a resource for further study for every single podcast. Okay, because one of these podcasts is going to really hit you and say, this is what I need to focus on. Maybe more than one, but I'm hoping at least one of these seven is going to hit you in a way that's like, okay, that's where I need to focus, you know, the next couple of months or maybe the next year in my life. I need to put my attention here and I want to give you a resource to 
continue your exploration of whichever quantum quote is speaking to you. So with the first one, the great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. The resource I want to offer you is a book written by Michael Singer. And no, it's not The Untethered Soul, which is the best book ever. But it's the the book he wrote right after that. The book is called The Surrender Experiment. Okay? The Surrender Experiment, written by Michael Singer. The reason I'm referring that to you is because that phrase, that quote, the great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. What that's speaking to is living a surrendered life. Living a life where you are aligned with and in the flow with what is. You're, you're not living by your likes and your dislikes and your wants and I don't want. You're, you're living in congruence with the way life is unfolding. In other words, you're living a surrendered life. That's what that quote is really getting at. Well, Michael Singer has lived a surrendered life. And in that book, it's sort of his autobiography. He's, he's basically writing, here's what happens when you don't live with preferences. Because that's what he's done since about the early 70s, as you'll discover in the book. So he wrote this book just chronicling what's happened to him over the last 50 years as he has lived a life without preference, as he's lived a life of surrender. So the book is called The Surrender Experiment. Okay, so just a fantastic read, um, and I encourage you to use that resource if the first quote seems to be something that you want to put your attention on. Okay, now having said that, let's get into our second quote. And if the first quote was about how to find happiness, which is what it was, The great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. That's the way to find happiness. This second quote is how to find love. Okay? So the first quote kind of dealt with your life. A pithy pithy wisdom for your life. This quote is pithy wisdom for your love life. And it's all about how to find your life partner. And what you're going to hear is there's basically two choices that we all have when we're looking for a partner. And I just, out of convenience, I call them the conventional approach and the conscious approach. Okay? I often label things in those two categories quite frequently because there is a way that we normally do things, the conventional wisdom, the way the culture says to live. And then there's the deeper way, a spiritual way, a more conscious way. And so I often divide things up into, okay, this is the conventional wisdom, right? Um, And here's the conscious wisdom. And we get to choose. We get to experiment which one we want to align our lives with. But make no mistake about it. If you are interested in finding your life partner, you are doing one of these. Okay? You are either doing the conventional approach 
or you're doing the conscious approach, but you can't do them both. They are non-binary. You can't mix them and match them because they have completely different perspectives. They have a completely different focus of attention. They have completely different understandings about how relationships work and how we make connections with people in our lives. Okay, so let me just give you the quote and then you'll begin to see how and what I just said, how that makes sense. The quote comes from a 13th century mystic poet by the name of Rumi, R-U-M-I. Have you ever heard of Rumi? Rumi was a Sufi mystic poet. Now, just as an aside, just to, you know, bring some education to world religions and so forth. Did you know that for almost all the world religions, there's kind of a conventional way the religions followed, and then there's a mystical wing or a mystical way or a more conscious way? So like with Christianity, right? We all know about Christianity, but there is a mystical Christianity side where they where they come at their understanding of Jesus and the faith from a more conscious perspective. It's called mystical Christianity. In Judaism, there's something called the Kabbalah. It's kind of the mystical or conscious wing of the, the Jewish faith. And with the Islamic faith, you know, there's the Quran and all the nightmares that come from that book. If you've read it, you know what I mean. It's a very violent book. But then there is a more conscious wing to Islam, which is called the Sufi tradition. And Rumi was a Islamic um, person in the 13th century, but he was fully in the Sufi tradition, the conscious expression of the Islamic faith. And he was a poet, and he's written tons of poetry. So perhaps you're familiar with him. But I believe the most powerful thing he ever said is the quote that I'm about to read you. And what's amazing about it is that we might think, that, or we might even say, like, how would someone have something important to say about our love lives in the 21st century when they lived 800 years ago? <laughs> Just a little bit before the internet. <laughs> just a little bit before Match.com and so forth, right? He he lived 800 years ago. What in the world is anyone going to have to say about finding a partner in today's world? Well, believe it or not, he has all the wisdom that you'll ever need. And here's the quote. Rumi said, your task is not to seek love but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. Take that in. He said your task in finding a partner. It's not to seek love, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. Do you hear that he's describing two different ways of finding a life partner? 
The first way, which I call the conventional way, is that you seek love. You seek the person. You try to find them. You try to attract them. You ask questions like, where should I go to meet them when you're seeking love? How do I get them to approach me? Or how do, how do I approach them? When you're in the seeking mindset of trying to find your partner, when you're seeking love, you wonder, what should I say? What should I wear? How should I flirt? Which online dating sites should I join and which ones should I avoid? So anytime you find yourself thinking about finding a partner and you're wondering about the online thing or where to go, how to approach, what to say, how to flirt, what you're doing is you're seeking love. You're 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 trying to find your partner. Right now, there's nothing wrong with that necessarily. There's, there's no right or wrong here. There's no good or bad. Um, we're not saying this is like sinful or something ridiculous, right? It is the most common way to find a partner. Everybody's doing this. Everybody tells you to do the conscious approach. Everybody's got to have, you ask anyone, they're going to tell you, they'll give you certain ideas on where to go or how to approach, what lines to use, what to say, what not to say, you know, kind of how to flirt, you know, any dating coach, well, I shouldn't say any of them because I don't, (laughs) but most dating coaches, relationship coaches, most of the research you would do online. I mean, if you just go to Google and type in how to find my life partner, you're you're going to totally get the conventional approach. They're going to tell you how to seek love, okay? But Rumi's saying that ain't it. That ain't it. In fact, he's kind of saying that's a waste of time. He said you would be better spending your effort on seeking and finding the barriers within yourself that you've built against it. So what Rumi is saying is you are not single because you just haven't met the right person yet. You're not single because you haven't found the right person. You haven't gone to the right place. You haven't dressed the right way. You haven't flirted in the right way. You haven't, you know, got the right, you you haven't, you don't have the personality that it takes. You, You don't, what he's saying is you're not single because you don't have the right strategy. He's saying you're single because you are blocking love from showing up in your life and you don't know it. That's why you're not in the relationship you want to be in. It's because you have built barriers within yourself and you don't even know they're there. But you are blocking it. You are resisting it. You are pushing it away. You have barriers built up so that love can't come to you. So what he's saying is, you can seek for love all you want, but if you've built barriers against it, what good is it going to do if you go to the right place? 
If you go to the right place and you say all the right things and you look the right way and you've learned how to flirt and, you know, how to, how to, you know, interact and how to ask questions and, or, or if you've written the greatest online profile, right? I mean, you've got good pictures. You've, your profile is fun and, and playful and yet descriptive and honest. I mean, you've got the greatest profile. So you, you have the great profile and you're going to all the right places, doing all the right things. And Rumi's saying, none of that's going to matter if you have barriers within yourself. Because once you meet someone through your online dating profile, your barriers are going to prohibit you from connecting. Or once you go to that right place and you say the right things and you flirt in the right way and you, know, you, 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 you play the game in the right way, if you've brought your barriers with you, it's not going to go anywhere. So Rumi is making this unbelievably startling statement that you're unconsciously keeping yourself single. He's saying love is the nature of reality. Love is the nature of, of life. If love isn't coming in and through you and flowing in and out of you, it's not because you haven't gone to the right place yet. It's not because you don't have a good online profile. It's not because you're not rich enough or pretty enough or skinny enough or whatever enough. It's like, no, you're blocking it. This is why I always use that illustration of driving a car. You got two pedals on the floor. You got your gas pedal. You hit the gas pedal so your car goes in a direction. And that's what it means to seek love. I'm hitting the gas pedal, man. I want to find my life partner. I, I want to know where to go, what to do, how to say, how to approach. I got a good online profile. I'm putting myself out there, right? My foot's on the gas pedal. Why is it not happening? Well, a lot of people will tell you, well, you know, it's tough to find someone when you're over 40. You know, all the good ones are taken or gay. Well, you know, you're really busy with your career. Or you're a powerful woman with a, you make good money and you're intimidating. And they give you all that nonsense, right? It's, it's just nonsense. Because there are women with powerful careers that are in great relationships, <laughs> Right, So you got your foot on the gas pedal and you want your car to go forward, right? You want your life to go forward toward attracting lasting love and it's not happening. And those are all the excuses people will give you. And Rumi says, uh-uh, your car's not going forward even though you're hitting the gas pedal because you don't know you have your other foot on the brake. You got your foot on the brake. And I don't care how hard you hit that gas pedal, the car might make a lot of noise, like you make a lot of noise about wanting to find your partner, but it's not going to happen because you won't let it happen. You're actually blocking it. You have barriers within yourself that you have built against it. Do you see why this is on the list of quantum quotes? Do you want your love life to take a quantum leap? Well, then you better get your foot off the brake. Instead of asking yourself, where do I find the partner? You better start asking yourself, what are the barriers within me that are blocking it? 
you see that those are two completely different focuses of attention. One is you're looking outside yourself. You're looking for them. The other one is, you know that that's a waste of time if I've got barriers within myself. So I'm looking inside of myself. I'm concerned with self-awareness. That's what Rumi's getting at. Self-awareness is how you find your life partner. Self-aware of what? Self-aware of your barriers, your blockages, your personas, your limiting beliefs, your personality blind spots, your childhood baggage and wounding, your fears from past relationships that have made it difficult for you to trust and to open your heart. He's like, that's where you need to look. Forget about where to go on Saturday night. Get on your meditation cushion. Sit with your coach on the phone or on by Zoom or in person and start asking questions about how am I sabotaging myself? How am I blocking myself? How am I keeping myself single? Because that's what Rumi's basically saying. Don't seek for love. Seek and find all the ways you're keeping yourself single. You're keeping love from flowing in and through you. Now, how powerful is that? If there's a quote that you should memorize, man, it's this one. Because you've got to keep reminding yourself, my task is not to seek love, but merely to seek and find the barriers within myself that I've built against it. Because everything around you is going to tell you just the opposite. Have you noticed? Every movie, every magazine, most every coach, every online search, every relationship self-help book other than a couple, a couple of which are mine, (laughs) they're all going to be telling you strategies. Here's the strategy for finding your life partner. You got to be funnier or you got to be more spiritual or you got to be this or you got to be that. You got to go here, do that. Say this, don't say this, dress this way, respond this way, play hard to get, don't play hard to get. They're going to be giving you strategies. And Rumi's like, no man, that ain't it. It's not about a strategy. And he knew this 800 years ago. Now, here's the dirty little secret about this. Like I said earlier, you can't you can't do both of these at the same time because they're diametrically opposed. They are complete opposite focuses of attention and you can't mix them. But here's the other thing. You you sort of have to get to the point where you are sick and tired of the conventional way. You, like you have to have tried it enough. Right, you you've have to have really exhausted yourself with the strategies in order to be eligible for the conscious approach. Do you follow me there? It's like the conscious approach will not be of interest to you if you still have some hope in the conventional ways of finding a partner.
So in this way, I like to use the illustration from the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. You, do you remember George Bailey in the movie, It's a Wonderful Life? You know, George had a plan for his life, if you remember the movie. He had big dreams. He was going to get out of that little town of Bedford Falls and see the world. He was going to go to Italy and Greece and the Parthenon and the Colosseum. And after college, he was going to build skyscrapers and airfields and bridges a mile long, the movie says. It was indeed going to be a wonderful life. But it didn't work out that way for him. Not even close. You remember when his father died, George got wind of Potter's evil schemes. So he put his travel and college plans temporarily on hold and took over the family business. He would run things until his brother finished college. Then he'd resume his plans of seeing and changing the world. But that didn't work out either. Even his honeymoon plans were thwarted when there was a run on the bank. He had to use his personal savings to keep the business afloat and the town from falling into the hands of Potter. Nothing was going according to plan. George Bailey finally hit rock bottom when his senile Uncle Billy lost track of the bank's money And not only was George facing bankruptcy, he was likely headed to prison. (laughs) Talk about a life that didn't go according to plan. So George was broken and despairing and hopeless and about to give up on life. Remember, he was going to jump off that bridge. And all he could do was pray, show me the way. Show me the way. (laughs) That's when Clarence, his wingless guardian angel, showed up. And of course, You know, you know the rest of the story. Now, what I want to know is here's the thing. Until you can relate to George Bailey, Rumi's quote is not going to make any difference in your life. You're really not even going to be willing to try it until you recognize that all the plans that you've had And the way you thought your love life was going to go and all the strategies that you have used and have been using, you're never going to be open to Rumi's approach until you really get the truth inside of you that that doesn't work. So I want to know, I'm going to ask you, can you relate to George Bailey? Did you or did you not have a plan for how your love life was going to unfold? And perhaps you thought you'd meet someone in college and then you'd get married and you'd build a life together and live happily ever after. Or perhaps you thought you would go to college and get your career established and get your feet on the ground. And maybe then in your 30s or so, you'd meet someone, maybe start a family, right? Well, it hadn't happened that way, which is why you're listening to this damn podcast, (laughs) right? Your love life hasn't gone according to plan. I don't know what your plan was. But it hasn't gone according to plan. Now, when that happens, right, when you're, let me give you some examples. Um, Perhaps you're divorced and you're a single parent and you're starting over. That was never your plan. Perhaps you're professionally successful, but disappointed by a string of failed relationships. Perhaps you've been betrayed or brokenhearted. Wondering if you can ever open your heart again. Perhaps you've never been married and feeling that it's hopeless and secretly wondering if something's wrong with you. Right? So I don't know what 
your plan was, and I don't know you personally as to how it's all gone. But what I'm saying is Rumi is setting up these these two ways of finding your partner. And until you're really done with the first way, the conventional way, you really won't be interested in Rumi's way. Because Rumi's way takes some work. It takes some real um, it takes some real dedication. It takes some introspection. It usually takes the help of a coach. You, you got to dive deep, right? The conventional way is you just go online and find the new, the new way to meet people, right? Maybe there's a new app. Maybe there's a, a new restaurant that's opening in town, or maybe there's a new networking group, or maybe there's a, a meetup group, or... You know, you decide you want to take up golf or yoga or something. Okay. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with doing any of that stuff, but you are placing yourself in the position of going against what Rumi's saying here. You're, you're seeking love. You're trying to find the partner. You're looking outside of yourself. And Rumi's saying, uh-uh, no matter what you do looking outside of yourself, if you've got barriers, it, it's, it's, it's not going to work. So here's the, here's the phrase. The conscious approach will only work. Rumi's approach, the conscious approach, will only work if it's your only approach. You got to give up the conventional ways. Now, I'm not saying that means you got to take your profile down. I'm not saying that means you shouldn't go to a networking group or you shouldn't go out with your friends on a Friday night. (laughs) I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is kind of in your soul, in your heart, you're recognizing that ain't it. Of course, if I like golf, I'll play golf. If I like yoga, I'll go to yoga class because you can meet people doing those things. Of course, I'm going to go out with my friends. You can stay online, but you're not, your eggs aren't in those baskets. You're not, your mindset is not, I'm seeking a a partner. Where do I find my partner? Where do I go? What do I say? How do I approach? How do I flirt? You're not, you're not in that place anymore. You might still be doing some of those things, but you recognizing I'm not, my effort is not there. My focus is not there. My focus is I'm looking for the barriers. And that approach only works when you're totally sold out to it. Does that make sense? You've got to be sold out to the conscious approach. And you only get there when you've hit rock bottom with the conventional approach. Like when you're, like, in other words, what I'm hoping is that you're like George Bailey and you're standing on that bridge. And you're so discouraged and you're so fed up and life has not turned out the way you want it to be. And you're, you're, you're so frustrated that you're about to jump. Okay. You're just, you're totally giving up because life has not turned out the way you wanted it to, or the way you thought it was going to. Now, I'm not saying that you should jump to your death. I'm saying, yeah, you should jump in the sense of, I am done with the conventional finding a strategy thing. And I'm jumping off the bridge. I'm going totally into the conscious approach. I'm going to spend the next six months to a year 
trying to answer the question, not if I'm, not if I have barriers, but what are my barriers? I know they're there. I just can't see them. And I'm going to, I'm going to put time and money and energy and effort into discovering my barriers. I'm going to do it if it kills me because I'm done with the conventional way. I'm jumping off that bridge. Life hasn't turned out that way and I'm done trying. That kind of what I call holy despair is what you need. Now, what does that mean? I want to walk you through the six conventional approaches to finding a life partner. Okay? And I'm doing this because, again, this is what you have to be done with. Otherwise, you won't really be interested in the conscious approach. So there are six basic ways that, six conventional ways, six strategies that you have used. You maybe still use them. I know I used all of them. And you will know people recommend them. The first one is fate, right? That's the first conventional approach. It's the fairy tale, romantic comedy type of hope that somehow, somewhere, and in some mysterious way, the stars are going to align perfectly and fate will bring two people together, right? I sometimes call it the Reese's peanut butter, peanut butter uh, approach. Remember that old commercial? Someone's walking with chocolate. They bump into someone walking with peanut butter. The two get mixed together and they discover they're delicious together. It's fate. Right? Great commercial. Lousy approach to finding love. See, people who are consciously or unconsciously using this approach, they say things like, well, I just haven't crossed paths with the right person yet. Or it's not God's will for me to find someone yet. Or someday it's going to happen. I just have to be patient. Hmm. See, this is a sweet-sounding, pseudo-spiritual, I'm-relying-on-fate approach, and it really masks a defeatist attitude. It's a cop-out. Inwardly, we've given up, and we're playing the victim, and we're blaming our relationship status on events that are beyond our control. Well, fate just hasn't brought us together yet. So it's kind of a defeatist attitude. The second way is what I call fishing. Now, all six of these words are F words because they're bad words. (laughs) Fate and fishing. Fishing is a saturation strategy. It says if I put my hooks into enough ponds, I'm liable to catch something, which is true. But you're probably going to catch something you'd rather throw back. (laughs) All right. People who use this strategy join multiple online dating sites. They frequent pickup bars, join meetup groups, attend lots of singles events. This approach is sort of the polar opposite of the fate approach. With fate, you sit back and do nothing, waiting on the gods. With the fishing approach, you leave no no stone unturned, which is why I call this the desperate approach. Follow me? The third one is called fixed up. Right? If fate and fishing don't work, then we sometimes turn to others for help. Now, there are those who've met their their mates, 
by being fixed up. However, the vast majority of people who actively use the fixed up approach are coming from a disempowered victim state of consciousness. It often sounds like, I don't know how or where or what it takes to meet someone. I've gone through everyone at work in my social circle. I just don't know what to do. Can you help me? Translation, can you do it for me? There's a disowning of responsibility hidden in this approach, which is why I call it the delegating approach. Okay? Number four, fake it. Now, hands down, there's not even a second, a close second for me. That was the, the fake it approach was my, my go-to approach. I would become a chameleon morphing into whoever or whatever I needed to be in order to get the attention and the affection of a beautiful woman. Most of us are pretty good at this. I was an absolute genius at it. In my book, I write this paragraph about the fake it approach. In my, 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 my second book, Attracting Lasting Love, for which this podcast has been named after. I wrote, are you a liberal or conservative? Oh, me too. Are you a Christian? I'll quote scripture. Are you a new ager? Namaste. Are you afraid of angry men? I'm Eckhart Tolle. Do you want an alpha male? I'm Clint Eastwood. Do you want to take it slow? That's amazing. So do I. Do you need a Mr. Mom type? I love kids, especially yours. Do you need someone to listen? I'll be your therapist. Are your shoulders tight? I'll be your masseuse. Do you need a surrogate father? I change diapers. Are you too busy to clean your house? That's amazing. I love vacuuming. (laughs) Faking it is one of the most common approaches to attracting a partner. We become someone we're not, which is why I call it the deceptive approach. All right? Number five is called former lovers. Another uh, you know, another one of these conventional approaches is to go back to former lovers and try again. We recycle, which is why I call it the been there, done that approach. <laughs> okay. And the sixth one is formulas. The world, as you know, is filled with tips and techniques and tricks and tactics. And I understand that relationships are hard. So we seek easy answers, simple strategies, quick fixes, and cookie-cutter formulas. But in doing so, we move away from our hearts, our authenticity, our true emotions, and our inner knowing. And instead, we become dependent on something or someone outside of ourselves. The conscious approach that I'm about to describe is is not a how-to formula. It's a call to awaken. It's a journey of self-discovery. Okay? So those are the six ways. There is, in the conventional world, there is fate, which is the defeated approach. There is fishing, which is the desperate approach. There's being fixed up, which is the delegating approach. There's fake it, which is the desperate, uh, I'm sorry, the deceptive approach. And their former lovers, which is the done that approach. And then there's formulas, the dependent approach. 
So what I've learned from my experience and my work with hundreds of clients is that we sabotage ourselves from experiencing the very thing we want most. We, I mean, although we desperately want to be in a loving, lasting, long-term relationship, we are somehow blocking love from entering our lives and discovering how we're doing that and breaking free of it is the conscious approach. So again, your task is not to seek love with the six F words, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. So let's talk about that for a minute. What's difficult is that, first of all, you won't know what the barriers are. There is a leap of faith here where you have to come to the place where you're jumping off that bridge, meaning I am giving up the conventional approach and I am putting myself squarely in Rumi's camp here. But I don't know how I'm, I don't, I don't know what the barriers are. I, I, I don't even know if, I don't know what they are. So it's like a leap of faith for you just to believe that they must be there. That's the point. They must be there because if I'm not in a relationship, it's not because I haven't right the met, met the right person yet. It's not because fate isn't working for me or I haven't found the right fishing pond or my friends haven't fixed me up with the right person. It's not that. It's I'm blocking it somehow. But since you don't know, there's a, there's a leap of faith here. You, you have to fully commit. I'm going to go looking for the barriers because I just believe that they are there. They really are there. And that's why you can't mix these approaches energetically. Because if you still think there's some strategy in meeting a partner and you don't have any barriers, you just, you know, you, you just haven't gotten lucky yet. You know, I mean, the, the stars haven't aligned for you. It's a numbers game and you just haven't met the right person yet. If you still believe that, well, then you won't have any real interest in doing the work of looking for the barriers. So let me describe some of these barriers. Okay. So, um, there's so, there, There really are a number of them, a number of things that can be behind the curtain of your awareness. Like they're like the wizard of Oz, right? Remember the wizard was behind the curtain and he was pulling the levers and turning the knobs. He was sort of controlling things, but nobody could see him. Nobody knew he was there, right? That's what these barriers are. These blockages, they're there. You just can't see them, but they're controlling everything. Okay. So, One of them is being complete with former lovers. A lot of us are still either hung up on someone or we're still hating someone, right? In other words, we're still energetically or emotionally, maybe even literally physically involved with a former lover. We're still attached in some way because we hate them or we're hung up on them. So one of the ways that you can, one of the, one of the major barriers to look at in your life is, is, is there room in my heart for someone new? Because if you're still hung up on someone or still hating them, you're still involved with them. 
They're, they're still in your heart, positively or negatively, and there's no room for someone else. Okay? That's one. Another one is what I call relationship personas. I've talked a lot about this in the podcast. That we learn a sort of a, a false way of being from our childhoods on like, who do I need to be to feel safe or to get love or approval or attention or affection? And so we've become a certain person that really is not in alignment with our authentic selves. It's just who we, who we needed to be as children to survive or to feel loved and wanted but we've moved away from our authentic self and now we're 40, 50 years old and we're still operating in that persona. We're still being the nice guy. We're still being, you know, what I call Roy the Rescuer or Debbie the Damsel or, you know, hard nose somebody. I mean, there's so many, but... That's one of the major issues. Not only are we incomplete with a former lover and our heart has no space for someone new, um, but sometimes we're not moving in our relationship worlds from our authentic self. And when, when I'm being Roy the rescuer, which is who I learned to be to get love and attention from my mother when I was a little boy, then of course, as a rescuer, I'm always going to attract women and be attracted to women who need to be rescued. Does that make sense? If you're a fireman, you put out fires. So if you're a fireman, you sort of, you could say, I attract fire <laughs> because you're a fireman. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right? So very often we feel like uh, I'm a fireman in relationships. I get into relationships and, and my partners always have some big major emergency going on. Can you come help me with this? Or this is going on. The, the shit's hit the fan. Blah, blah. And you just feel like in all your relationships, you're, you're answering the 911 call and you're rescuing people and you're, you're, they have emergencies and drama and you're, you're fixing them, right? I mean, there's a persona I call the mechanic. You know, if you're, you might have learned as a little child that the way you really got appreciated and got a lot of attention is when you fixed problems, when you found solutions, when you sort of took care of things. So I call you the mechanic. And then you wonder why you keep attracting partners that are like broken down cars. If you're a mechanic, you will always attract partners who need to be fixed. Do you see it? So that's a reason why your love life why you're single. It's that kind of stuff. It's not because you don't know where to go on Saturday night. Because if you go someplace on Saturday night as a mechanic, who are you going to be attracted to? The person that you meet on Saturday night that's broken down. If I'm Roy the Rescuer and I join a yoga group, 20 women in the room in their little tight little leotards, yeah, baby, right? And I, if I go take a yoga class because there's lots of single women there, but if I'm going as Roy the Rescuer, the, the women who are on top of their lives aren't going to be interested in me. I'm going to attract the woman who needs to be rescued. And then we're going to do that codependent dance. Do you follow me? Okay. Another major barrier is how we misunderstand masculine-feminine dynamics, Right? 
I mean, especially in today's world right now with all the gender identity discussions and things going on, this idea of what is masculine and feminine um, and and how does this play out in relationships, we're, we're not very skilled in this because masculine and feminine are not genders, they're energies. Most of us are more aligned with one than the other. But it's the the opposite energy that's attracted to each other. That's what creates sexual polarity. That's what that's what creates chemistry. You know, when the positive side of the magnet is brought near the negative side of the magnet, they're drawn together. Do you follow me? So the way in which you attract someone is by magnifying your masculine or feminine, by being more masculine or more feminine. That's how you become more magnetic to the opposite energy, right? But in our world today, men are not being taught or told how to be more masculine because there's this big worry about toxic masculinity. And there is a dark side to the masculine when it's all macho and about power and control and narcissism. That's, but that's just the unhealthy part of ma- the masculine, There's a divine part of the masculine that's about love and service and presence, right? So the men are being shamed for their masculine and they're not being encouraged to magnify it. Be more masculine around women. That's how you will get them to be interested in you. That's not what men are being told. And women are not being told to be more feminine because feminine for many people means you're a stay-at-home mom, you don't have any rights, you have no financial power, you have no political power, right? You're, it's like a 1950s feminine. That's not what the feminine is. That's, we could say, the toxic femininity. There's a divine feminine that's about receptivity and about the flow of love in relationship and a commitment to communion and connection and consecration, right? Right? So, but women are not being told to magnify your femininity. Because again, it's not about, femininity is not about big boobs and high cheekbones and mascara and high heels. It's not about the Kim Kardashian version of femininity. That's not what it is. It's about radiance. It's about how much love is flowing through your body. That's what makes a woman a radiant creature. But women are not being taught today or told today, maximize, magnify your feminine, brighten your shine. You're being told to dull it and become more like men. You are. Have you paid attention to this? Women are being told, be more like men. And men are being told, be more like women. And so we're losing we're losing our energetic differentness and we're, we're going to become more and more indifferent toward each other because two of the same energies don't attract. They repel. You put the, the, the positive side of a magnet near the positive side of another magnet and you can't push them together. They push each other apart. You follow me there? So when there's two masculine energies, they don't want to connect. When there's two feminine energies, they don't want to connect. It's the oppositeness. So this is a huge barrier. We don't understand masculine feminine dynamics. And this is the kind of thing that keeps you single. 
not because you don't know what to say or how to flirt. That ain't it. (laughs) That ain't it. Okay. Another one is your personality blind spots. I just did a whole series on the Enneagram. Looked in in the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. It was just before this series, well, within within a couple anyway. And the whole thing was to understand your personality type because each personality type has a particular way it will sabotage you in your love life. You have a personality blind spot. You have a way that your personality is beautiful as it is because every personality is beautiful and good. But it's got a blind spot to it. It's got blessings and blind spots. It's got virtues and vices. Most of us don't know how our blind spots, our personality vices are sabotaging us in relationship. You follow me? So, and then there's all your childhood wounding or your wounding from past relationships. That all that stuff is still alive in you. Your past is still alive in you. It's not something that happened. It's something that's happening. And when your past is alive in you, you're going to be guarded. You're going to be suspicious. You're going to build a wall around your heart. And as I always say, walls will keep you safe, but they will keep you single. So most of us have trust issues to one degree or another. You see, this is the reason you're not in a great relationship. It's not because you haven't found the right strategy. These are the things that create the barriers. So all I want to ask you is this. Do you want to adopt Rumi's strategy? To quit seeking love and instead seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. Because you did this to yourself. This didn't happen to you. It's not, it's not done by anyone else. You weren't born with this. You've done this to yourself. You've built barriers. It's like someone who has blocked arteries, a lot of plaque in their veins. Nobody put the plaque in there. Nobody snuck up on you in the middle of the night and poured a bunch of plaque into your arteries. No, no, no. You did things to create plaque in your arteries. You ate certain things. You did certain things. And now you got your arteries full of plaque and you're going to have a heart attack. Because it's going to block the blood flow. So you did this to you. So my question is, do you want to put your attention on looking for the barriers to identify the ways you are sabotaging yourself? Do you want to discover how your foot is on the brake? Because it is. Not it might be on the brake. That's the leap of faith. Even though I don't know how my foot is on the brake, I know it's on the brake. Because love isn't flowing. Because I'm not in a great relationship. I get my foot off the brake, I'm going to be in a relationship. Probably within a month. Maybe sooner. I met my wife within two weeks of doing this week, this work. There's some simple understandings. Simple aha moments about being complete with former lovers, about your relationship persona, about masculine and feminine dynamics, about your personality blind spots, about your limiting beliefs, your what I call your love stories, right? Most of us grow up on homes where we've witnessed the way relationships work and they've left impressions on us. Oh, well, this isn't something that's very conscious, but you can come out of your childhood 
thinking, well, love is about compromise. That doesn't sound too good. Love is about power. Love is about control. Love is about being smothered, right? We can have these negative stories about what intimacy actually will turn into. And if we hold those beliefs below the surface, we will not let ourselves get close to someone because I don't want to compromise. I don't want to be smothered. I don't want to be controlled. I don't want to be have someone have power over me. I don't want to be sexually you know, taken advantage of, whatever it might be. So we have these love stories, right? So that, that I'm beating a dead horse. Are you willing to do the work that Rumi's talking about? If you are, I'm the guy to do it with. I, there are not many coaches who do this kind of work. This is harder, frankly. It's way easy to tell you where to go on Saturday and how to dress and what to say and give you some tips and techniques and tactics. And, you know, I could help you write a good online profile and help you get the right pictures, blah, 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 blah. None of it's going to work if you have these barriers. Your foot's going to be on the brake. Any strategy you have won't work. Now, once you do discover these barriers and let them go, well, then, yeah, jump online. Okay, then let's have a conversation about where to go on Saturday and, and kind of what to say, okay? But Because now that, that kind of thing will work if there are no barriers. If your foot's off the brake, well, then let's talk about the gas pedal because now the car will move, <laughs> right? But it's a waste of time to talk about strategy when you've got barriers. Are you willing to stop seeking love? And instead, seek and find all the barriers you have built against it. I am ready to talk about that with you. I offer free coaching consultations, free exploratory session, no pressure. I'm not going to push you, not going to push anything down your throat. I'm going to talk about what's going on in your life. I'm going to get to know you. I want to explain my coaching program and either we'll fit, we'll, we'll feel like we fit together or we don't. Okay, so if you want to explore this, and I can't imagine why you wouldn't want to have at least a conversation about this kind of thing, because there's no obligation and no pressure, you can reach me at Roy at coachingwithroy.com or text me on my cell phone, 407-687-3387. So until next time, let's let Rumi's words wrap it up. Your task is not to seek love, but instead to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. Until next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.